mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com everybody, welcome to Magic Martinis. I'm Adam and here's Danielle. Hi. Why don't you start this off? Oh, that's a good idea. Thank We've you. tried to do this like six times. <laughs> yes, we have. <laughs> so today we have a Father's Day episode. We had our Mother's Day episode about a month ago. And so I wanted to do a special something for the dads out there. Um, and uh, so today we're going to be talking to uh, Dwayne Richards. Dwayne. Yes. Not Doyen. No, spelled Doyen, D-O-Y-I-N. Doyen, yes. like Dwayne. in between. Yes, that, well, that's what he says. Yes. Uh-huh. So uh, the reason why I want I chose Doyen is that, I, so as an, someone who's on Instagram all the time, I've followed his Instagram account, Daddy Doing Work, for quite a while, and I love it. He features all these different dads. Um, his whole message is that as dads, we need to be involved and that there are a lot of really good involved dads out there. And instead of highlighting the ones who aren't doing anything, let's let's highlight the good dads out there, all the dads who are doing, you know, everything and more to raise awesome kids. So I wanted to talk to him about, first of all, his experience. He talks to us about his experience as a black dad, talks to us about his experience raising multiracial kids and um, all the good work he's doing. He's an author. He's an in-demand speaker on the topic of modern modern fatherhood. Whoa, I know, right? And in recent months, um, he's been interviewed on the Today Show, NPR, USA Today, Cosmopolitan, New York Times, um, Huffington Post, AskMen.com, The Good Men Project. Oh, okay. I know, I know. I could, I could go on and on wow. and on. I know. Well, he's cool. And he he, he just talks about his experience. And um, I, I liked listening to him and trying to put myself, um, you know, see things from his perspective um, and just he shed some light on things that maybe I hadn't thought about before. Yeah. I think you did. I think you saw some things from his perspective. Yeah, I did. You said it a couple times in the interview. Yeah, where you were like, "Oh wow, okay, now I see it." Yeah, yeah, I do. And 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 I had to. I also liked hearing about his perspective, just as who he is in society and everything. Yeah. That was really important to me. Um, so I really hope you, you'll enjoy the interview. Also, I want—I didn't want to let another week go by without saying happy Pride Month um, because I haven't said it. And today I took the kids. We went um, to a Pride Festival in North Jersey, a really awesome Pride Festival. And um, so, so to all our LGBTQ listeners out there, um, I just want to say happy Pride. We love you. And you always have a place here. If you're ever feeling like you don't belong somewhere, you belong here. We love you. Yes. So here's Dwayne Richards, and enjoy the interview. So hi, Dwayne. Hi. How are you guys? We're good. How are you doing? Doing well, thanks. How are you? 
Great. Life is good in Los Angeles, California. So Can't jealous. Too much parenting and dealing with tiny humans and all that stuff. You know how that goes. Yeah, we know how it goes. Absolutely. Well, I guess at first, um, I just wanted to ask you if you want to just tell us about yourself, anything you want us to know before we go into everything I've, I know about you and I've found out about you. Yeah. So um, first off, my name is Dwayne Richards. It looks like Doyen, but it's pronounced Dwayne like in between. My pops were born and raised in Sierra Leone, West African countries. So he decided to give all of quick little story about me. So people who may know about may know me, but may not know the story about my name is that my last name is Richards. So way, 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 way back when the slaves were emancipated, um, they took their slave owners last name, which is Richards. Cause if you go anywhere in Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia, there's lots of very wealthy, rich uh, Richards. And Richard's son is a black name. Richards is a white name. So they took the slave owner's name back to Africa. And I'll never forget when I first moved out here, this blonde haired, blue eyed girl who I met in Los Angeles. She was like, oh my gosh, so like, if your dad's like from Africa, why isn't your last name like Bekwe or something? <laughs> <laughs> and, good question, you know, Becky. So Becky, I told Becky, I don't know if that was her name or not, but I told Becky that, listen, it's just the whole story. But the main thing is that my dad wanted to give us African first names, me and my two brothers. So um, that's the reason why I have the name Duane. And um, and instead of, but if my last name was Ubekwe, like that girl thought, I might have a name like Steve. Right. <laughs> so I kind of dig it. The only thing that's kind of annoying is having, having to pronounce my name to everybody on the streets. Yeah, it but is. It is pronounced completely differently. It's not, yeah, it's not phonetically correct. So I, I've been called everything. And I'm telling you, after decades of this, yeah, man. I, I saw it I, on your website. You, you even like it says down at the bottom, "Who is he?" and it even says something about your spelling of your name and how to tell people. Yeah. Like it's just one of those things. Like, gosh, you know. But you, you get used to it. Sometimes I have a star. I used to have a Starbucks name, which was like George. But then I was like, that is such a sellout. I'm gonna be Dwayne. Y'all can mess mispronounce my name much as you want but at least it's me so that's the first thing so that's so when <laughs> it came name. to when it came to naming your kids which which direction did you go in did you do did so, you same very similar situation so my wife is um it's a very good question because my wife is half she's hapa which is half japanese half white so the white side is the dad and the japanese side is the mom so her last name is edwards so we're like, same thing. I want the girls to have, they, I want them to have Japanese first names because the Japanese heritage is not. So I was like, all right, cool. So there's Emiko and there's Reiko. And Ko in Japan means little girl. So um, it's pretty cool. So in that sense, it's a unique thing. And it it's, gives homage to the Japanese culture, just like my dad did for me with the African culture. and. West African culture in Sierra Leone. So that's very cool. I but that's just the name stuff. But as far as like who I am, <laughs> I <laughs> well, do, no, that's all very interesting too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of people might be like, oh, yeah, he does dad blogging. Well, I don't even know what the hell that is, you know, to be honest. Like, I don't, I don't blog. 
I know I'm not a blogger. I don't know. Blogging is so 2012. Like right now, I focus on my message of being a good dad and showing the world what true fatherhood looks like. But I do a lot of keynote speaking. So I go to conferences. I go to schools. I go to different organizations and I talk about toxic masculinity or how to get over it. I talk about unconscious bias. I talk about race relations. I talk about everything from being a good dad to having to really bridge the gap of what it means to be a black man in America, telling white people what it's like to be a black man in America and things that we struggle with and how we can come together as a nation because we're kind of fractured right now as you're paying attention. So, you think? <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, just, just a touch. So I travel to all these different places and share my voice. And I do it in a way that's not like angry or whatever. It's a way I inject a lot of humor, but a lot of real talk as well. That's why a lot of corporations and colleges bring me back to speak. So uh, I really like it. It's a lot of fun. And I really feel like it's helping bring the world a better place. That's great. And you have a twin brother who's also sort of in the speaking business and everything, right? I do. I do. And he, his name is Shola, rhymes with Cola, like I'm Dwayne, rhymes in between. <laughs> and Shola, he does the same thing that I do, except for he focuses on workplace stability. So his thing, his messaging is all around making the workplace a kinder place to be, which is truly needed and yeah yeah, i mean there's lots of jerks in in the working world so he goes and he's he's actually i was just talking to him before i got on with you guys and he's traveling to san diego to do a big speech down there for um a group so we the two of us are very mission driven in our work we are all about trying to make the world a better place in our own special way like for me mine's more social his is more corporate but I mean, the end result's the same. We're trying to make the world a better place for your kids, my kids, and everyone else. So, and the cool thing about it, especially for him, is that there's not too many people who look like him who talk about the stuff that he talks about. And sadly, there's not too many brothers out there like me talking about toxic masculinity and being a proud feminist. Mm-hmm. And usually when there's male feminists out there, they're usually white dudes. Um, and there's not too many white dudes doing it either. There's not too many dudes, period. But if you see them, they're usually white men. You're not going to see very many men of color talking about this kind of stuff. And mental health as well. That's another thing that I talk about. I don't want to steal your thunder later on with other questioning, but I do talk about that mm-hmm. uh, a lot in my meetings and helping young men who struggle with depression and mental illness and anxiety to really be strong about it and accept it and get the help you need. So I travel all over the country and willing to travel all over the world to share my message when it comes to those things. That's really amazing that you and your brother both share the same, I guess being twins, maybe it's not, it's just amazing that you both share this and you're both kind of doing the same thing, same kind of message, you know, maybe towards a different crowd of people, which is great because now you're reaching twice the audience. But it's just, it's really cool that you both have that in you. Yeah, that's awesome. I dig it. It makes the world a better place. And sometimes... You just got to, you got to get in where you fit in, you know? And I feel like where there's a need, someone's got to address that need. And I mean, your podcast is a great example of that, of how you guys have been able to fill a need that hasn't been out there in a podcast piece. That's why you've grown to a crap ton of followers. <laughs> in the year. So 
you find a need, you crush that need, you become successful. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, we um, have been talking a lot about this idea of like the mental load and our listeners are probably like, all right, enough already yeah. with this. I know. It's like but, four but episodes in a row. I know, I know, except we're kind of, we're like getting somewhere with it. So it's kind of this idea of, um, the idea that we concentrated more on moms about how there's this unequal distribution usually in the home with the you know parenting and the household um, upkeep and everything like that and that we just actually had um, an author on who was telling us that you know that statistics show that it's a 65 35 split pretty much usually um, in households you know obviously with moms doing 65 dads doing 35 and um, I know obviously that's not always the case and I think uh, what we're trying to what what we all want to happen in our marriages and in our society is that we want obviously to get towards a place we want to bridge that gap right we want to no longer have that and one thing I really that struck me so much about about your Instagram page and your Facebook and everything that you're doing is I mean, you really are, in a sense, trying to highlight the fact that there are so many dads out there who are doing the stuff that, you know, we don't think about dads doing. So do you want to talk a little bit about how you're using your platform for that? And, and what Yeah, no doubt. And that's a, such a great question, because the way this whole thing, at least by Instagram, how it started was when I first became a dad, I was, I tell the story all the time. I was pushing my daughter down the street in a stroller, went to Starbucks to get some much needed caffeine. And this very well-meaning white woman comes up to me and like looks at the kid, looks at my daughter, like, oh, she's so cute, blah, blah, blah. We're in line. And then she's about, she's about to leave and then she hits me with this. Uh, no offense. Of course, offense is coming. Yeah. <laughs> no offense. But it's not often that I see black men out with their kids. But it's so beautiful to see. Uh, no matter what happens, I hope you stay in that little girl's life. And then, <laughs> wow. Yeah. So, yeah. so many levels of unsolicited <laughs> parenting advice there. Right. Like, oh, but you know what? I'm telling you, was this woman? She probably walked out like, yo, I feel so good. I told that Negro <laughs> about parenting. And, and she probably felt like she was she hopped in her Mercedes and drove off and feeling so good about herself. And yeah, all she made a difference for that for that day, right? Yeah, she made a difference. <laughs> she she was uh, you know she was her was the white savior. She did everything she had to do. She helped she helped out a black man in need, which I was not in need. But anyway, the bottom line was, I, I thought about her, and she was the impetus in, in starting this whole thing because I thought like. Uh, First off, that is the plan, lady. I'm going to stay with this, this kid for the rest of her life. Like, I'm going to raise her. I'm going to be her dad. But I also realized, like, she wouldn't have said that to a white dude. She wouldn't have. So I'm thinking, like, how many women, how many people are out there that have this erroneous belief about what it means to be a black dad in America? So at first, I was like, I'm just going to show, I'm going to highlight black dads in America. Just show them what they're like on my Instagram before it, like, started to get you know, popular. And then I was like, wait, hmm, no, that's good. I think the message out there, let's just talk about dads in general, all types of flavors of dads, white, black, Hispanic, Asian, whatever the case may be, gay dads, single dads, military dads, whatever it is, we're going to talk about them. 
So then the narrative about what it means to be a dad is not like, oh yeah, we just, we go to work and we give our wives money and we don't change diapers and we just sit around. Yeah, those dudes definitely exist. But I would like to believe that there's more of the good ones that I'm highlighting than, than the world truly believes there are. And I use my platform to highlight them and it makes people happy. It's like, wow, man, like, that's great. Like, there's so, or it might get some people upset, like, oh, I wish my man was like that. Right. I wish my man did that. Mm -hmm. But I see it, it's so funny because a lot of times I just see when there's a dad doing something good, I see these women just tag their husbands, like, no words, just like, <laughs> husband tag, husband tag. And we all know what that, every dude knows what that means. It's like, you, yo, you gotta be like this dude. Yeah, be like that dude. So it's like, and it's not. And the beauty of my Instagram is like, it's not about me. It's never. It's rarely. It's like five percent me, and ninety five percent other dads. And because social media nowadays is all about look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. But I'm like, well, I don't need people to look at me. Like, why don't we look at the people who don't have a platform or people who have a, a small platform and get them up? Because you know, true leaders don't have the most followers, they create the most leaders. So I try to create and help build people up to create their own platform to show what it means to be a modern dad. That's great. And, and it's great on so many levels because it, a little bit, I, I, I can understand with those women why they're tagging their husbands because a little bit you want to be like, all right, you know, here's something that, because not all dads change diapers, not all dads braid their kids hair not all dads do all that but I think sometimes maybe it takes a reminder or it takes a little bit of a push um and I like that that platform on one hand is you're also saying to other dads listen you can it doesn't make you less masculine to do this it doesn't make you less of a man or you know it, it it's just being a dad well that's the whole thing I mean who the oh I almost cursed no, no. Oh, Are you there's, kidding? There's no cursing on our podcast, <laughs> Actually, by the way. we might have to turn it off because you haven't cursed yet. <laughs> oh, okay. Wait, wait. Like, who the fuck thinks that you're less of a man if you change? Ah, uh, so... Um, but that's been the message, I think, in some, to some degree, right? That that the two aren't synonymous with each other. That it's you know your top. You know, even uh, they were they were saying there were studies done from a couple decades ago where they said that a man's testosterone drops when he starts interacting with his kids. And obviously, it was all bullshit. But um, this was a study that was done, I think, you know, to sell men's products or whatever it was. But there is this sort of belief or this understand or this idea that the, the two are almost like dichotomous but i think that that's kind of where it comes from for me is like i think my biggest thing in what i do is i'm a disruptor like i just i disrupt shit like that's what i do i'm all about i break shit i disrupt it i'm like the hulk when it comes to breaking shit why <laughs> do you feel and my message is to those dudes those neanderthals who like you know, basically just sit on the couch and scratch their balls and watch ESPN all day. It's like, look, being a man is about raising children to become better men or better women. And good men are good women. And if you're just going to be a guy who just sits back and like, you know what, it's all about me and my needs and being a real man or don't cry and I don't hug my kids and I don't do that. 
what message are you sending? What message? And also to the women who partner with these dudes, like seriously, like, come on, man. Like really, like what? What did you see in that dude that made you think like you want to, you know, birth his children? Like something. What? What was that? What? What would you look at and be like? Oh, because he's good, he's buff, and he's this, and he makes money. Like, fuck that. Like, does he raise kids? Does he hug you? Does he kiss you? Does he does he open your door for you? Does he do all these things that you would want a man to do for your children? Like, I I, I don't know, man. I just, I look at all this, and I just get so frustrated when I see, especially, not, I'm not, again, I want to make this very clear. I'm not putting the blame on women, because a douchebag is a douchebag. And the douchebag deserves all of the blame for being a douchebag. But sometimes I also want to question the women to be like, you saw some signs. You saw some signs when you saw this shitty dude. Like, maybe he's just an asshole. Just like something. Maybe he's mean to you. Like, your dinner's not on time or something. And he's like snapping at you for shit. Probably a good sign that he's not going to be a good dad. Maybe. So why, why would you even? There's no bigger decision even, I honestly think even bigger than marriage, there's no bigger decision that an adult can make in her life than deciding who to have children with. Like that is the biggest, most important decision you're gonna make because there are no do-overs when that baby comes out. There's no do-overs. Like you got this kid and if you feel like, oh my God, this dude is a fucking shit show, you're stuck with him. And I mean, of course there's divorce and all that stuff, but Douchebag's still going to be in your life, most likely. Somehow, some way. There's got to so, be like different levels of this, though. I, w- I would think there's maybe you marry a good guy, you know, someone who's really good to their wife or girlfriend at the time, and they just don't do enough or what's expected once their kids come along. Not that they're bad people, not that they're douchebags, not that they, you know, don't are mad at their wives they for not having don't dinner ready. Yeah. Or yeah, or maybe they just didn't grow up that way, don't expect to do certain things. They weren't told to do certain things. So I think there's that kind of middle ground in between the douchebag and somebody who is the you know, on hand's dad. So I have my little three part lexicon of what every single dad falls into three categories. One of three categories. Um and it's funny because I, I use my um, my nickname is Daddy Doing Work. So like that's the thing. So there's three. There's the Daddy Doing Nothing. He's your traditional deadbeat. But there's also a different type of deadbeat. When you think about a deadbeat dad, you think about a guy who's never around. You, you can't reach him. He's not calling his kids on birthdays. He just he just have the kid and is out. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about. The dad, there's deadbeat dads who live under the same roof as their families and who aren't doing anything. They could be, like I said, sitting on their sitting on the couch, grabbing their balls, watching ESPN, doing nothing, not lifting a finger, just completely detached from fatherhood. Just, just hate the whole fatherhood game. So that's him. There's one. The most common dad that I've seen is the daddy doing something. Now he's the guy who works a great job or makes money or does this and like, you know, provides for the family and is a really good hard worker, but he ain't changing diapers. He ain't getting up in the middle of the night to to calm a baby. He's not helping with homework. He's not giving Basil reading stories. That's mom's job because to him, it's like, my job is to bring home money for the family. Like you do the rest of the stuff. 
I guarantee you there's some women nodding right now as this podcast is playing. Like, I know that dude. Mm-hmm. I know that dude. But the thing is, what I tell him, what I tell these people, and I also do coaching with moms too. So if there's moms out there that want coaching on how to deal with these these fucking motherfuckers, <laughs> they, they think they're just they're just because these dudes are just they're flesh with with uh they're ATM with flesh is really what they are. They they aren't even parents. Parenting is a job. So what I look at, so if you guys were you have your relationship, you're doing your thing, and it's just like. Adam, you come home and you're like, I just want dinner on the table and I just want all this stuff. But if your wife is sitting there and she's been with the kids all day long, that's, people don't realize that's work too. Like she's working just as hard, if not harder than you are. So for some reason, there's a disconnect with these men who feel like the stay-at-home mom, if there is a stay-at-home mom in a situation, will that she doesn't work or she's not working hard, but she really is working hard. So there's that. The final one is the daddy doing work. So he's the guy who's super involved, a guy like you, Adam, who does, is all there, loves the kids, does everything. But See? sometimes, sometimes. <laughs> he said some, it, not me. <laughs> I mean, I'm just, all I'm saying is that, you know, Danielle, I'm sure there's times, every mom does it, so don't feel bad if you're one of these moms where Adam may be doing something with the kids and you're like, um, why are you doing it that way? Like, I don't understand. Like, why, why are you doing like hovering like a hawk and right. doing the whole maternal gatekeeping thing? And that sucks for dads. We don't like that. And it demotivates us. It's also like, you know what, screw this. If you know everything on how to do it, why don't you just do it yourself? And then Daniel, you'll go to your girlfriend and be like, Oh my gosh. Well, you sound just like her. So <laughs> and now he's not helpful anymore. And I just don't know what his problem is. Like, oh my gosh. <laughs> and, but the thing is, it's like, it's your fault because you're up in his face. You're up in his grill, like all the time, telling your mother to do shit. Back the hell up and let him do a de- be a dad in his own way. Just because he doesn't do it your way doesn't mean it's wrong. Right. Sorry, just ranting. <laughs> no, keep going, please. <laughs> no, it is true because I do think a little bit um, there is this sort of this idea of, okay, I want you to help, but I, I'm going to tell you exactly how to do it. And I think that happens a lot of the time in with childcare and even with housework. You know, we always, there's the ongoing idea of, oh, well, my spouse doesn't know how to load the dishwasher right. And they just, you know, they don't fold the towels right. And a little bit, if we were asking for help, we, like you said, we need to back the fuck up and just be like, okay, it's not how I would do it, but it's, it, it's done. Number one, number two, he's, it's not hurting anybody the way he did it, unless you're like no, installing a car seat wrong. But you know, it, for the most part, we need to just allow the, our spouse or the, you know, the, our partner to do, to do it their way. And I do think, I, I, I think that's both ways. I think also, you know, we, I think just, we need to accept the way our partner's doing things and just like back up and be like, all right, it's getting done. And that's what I asked for. So, you know, let's just go with it. Let me ask you something though, Danielle, cause you mentioned about like folding towels and loading the dishwasher wrong. How the fuck do you load a dishwasher? <laughs> I'll take uh, a picture no, that's of actually when Adam gets angry at me. He thinks I load the dishwasher. She is awful at loading the dishwasher. I'll send you I, a picture. You know what I try to do? I will literally, I will 
stuff so much shit in there. I don't want a dish left in the sink. So if I'm loading the dishwasher and I'm going to do it once a day, well, you damn well better believe I'm going to fit everything in there. Fit is, fit is, so uh, you're, you're like the one trip lady too. From like the, I'm from the one lady. trip lady. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Fit yeah. is subjective. Right. It doesn't fit. It doesn't. I just shove it it's all in, in there. there. Somehow. Yeah. yeah. That's what she said. Okay. <laughs> Got it. You fit right in. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I, I think that's really good advice, though, about uh, as far as that goes. And um, I love that you're I, I think that that is something that we need to think about that. Uh, how are we reacting to the help? You know, how are we reacting to that? To, to them? It's tricky, though, because I, I understand how everyone has a preference. And I think I had to actually coach my wife on it to be like, look, is this like you mentioned, Danielle, like, is anyone dying? Is there any chance of bodily injury or harm going to occur by how I'm doing this job? The answer is no, and back the fuck up. Right. And because what it, the thing is, in all seriousness, is that it really does demotivate men because men, let's be real, I'm a dad advocate. Like, I am one of the biggest dad advocates out there on the planet, but parenting sadly is in right now it's a mom's it's a mom's world you look at product placement and everything is like four out of five moms agree you know everyone it's about moms and i think that's we we understand that and sometimes dads look back on this thing and like i don't know if i belong like i don't know if this is a place where i fit in in this raising a children thing and sometimes when people bash us or say like i don't know if you do it that way we started getting in our own heads and thinking like, shit, maybe this is not for me. Maybe I am doing this wrong. Maybe I should back up. And it's, it becomes demotivating and it just becomes demoralizing. So it's right. really important to let us do our thing, even if it's like sending the kids, sending the girls to school with a messy ponytail or whatever. It's like the girls, I always tell dads with daughters this, it's like, you got to learn how to do their hair, even if it's nothing special, because you know what? your daughter isn't going to give a shit about how your ponytail looks, about her how her ponytail looks. She's going to remember that you took the time to do it. That's the one thing that she's going to remember growing up. It's like, dad, my dad did my hair and he sat with me and he tried. It's not like people are going to go so messy. It's like, he sat with me. He loved me enough to try. And there's nothing more important than that if you're that. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. You're yeah, I think the, also the going back to what you just said briefly before about how everything is geared towards moms and that's like kind of their placement of you know, the housework and all that kind of. I, I see that changing a little bit very, very slowly. I've noticed sometimes if I'm watching TV and a commercial comes on and it's a vacuum commercial. Now there are guys part of that advertisement, the guy using the broom or the vacuum or cleaning, or I'm seeing that slowly creep in because I think this is becoming more of an aware, an awareness all around. So I think 
it's it's changing. And thanks to guys like you who are making this happen a lot faster than it could. But I'm seeing differences happen. Are you noticing kind no, of? Oh, yeah, no doubt. The paradigm is definitely shifting. And I think a lot of that comes down to the fact that people have demanded to shift. And social media is super helpful in that regard because it's so easy to tweet at a brand or tag a brand on Instagram or Facebook and be like, why is it that you guys are only featuring women doing this? Why don't you feature dads? And before you know it, it's like if the voices are loud enough, they're going to be like, holy shit, we got it. There's a market out here. And I, back like in 2016, I, I started a Microsoft commercial about parenting. And they did, they hired me to be like their, their, um, their face of fatherhood for this international campaign, which is great. Um, and people are like, whoa, this is, a, this is crazy. Like, when you think about parenting, you're thinking of a mom, first of all. And then if you're thinking about a dad, sure as hell ain't going to be a black dad. And here we are, here's a black dad who's the voice of parenting for a humongous company like Microsoft. Microsoft. I thought to myself, like, all right, we're getting somewhere now. Like we're yeah. making progress and it's a beautiful thing, but yeah, the paradigm is definitely shifting. And I think we're, what I want to do is get to the point where it's not the whole term involved dad. That's the worst term ever because there's no such thing as an involved mom. Like, Oh, Danielle, you're such an involved no, that mom. It's a, that it's a helicopter mom. Right. You know, like, well, that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. Like the, the helicopter mom, all that stuff. But I mean, I talk when, when I think about involved dad, it's like me just pushing my kid. Like the bar for fatherhood to be a good dad is so low, you can trip right. on it. Like I could be pushing my kid down the street in a stroller, you know, back when I had babies. I'm like, oh my gosh, you're the greatest dad. <laughs> like, motherfucker, I could be going to my crack dealer right now. Like, I'm where I'm going with this kid. Right. what I'm doing. Right. But I'm great because I'm pushing my kid in the stroller. Whereas like any mom who's like pushing the kid down the stroller, like, ah, oh, look at that stroller that bitch has. Right. <laughs> like that, like that's that's ridiculous. Like, are we it's moms have an un the 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 I can't believe how high it is, how much moms have to work to get the same recognition that a dad gets. And oftentimes moms will never receive it because there is no, there's no such thing as like a great mom because you're bar it's unattainable for you because moms and society and other people make it so high that you think you're doing a great job. And then you look at some other. Like, right. Yeah. And social media, I talk about this all the time. Social media makes it so much harder in some sense because um, although, you know, we try with our platforms to do the opposite, but when I'm home on a Sunday with my kids and people are posting their pictures of, you know, their, their day out with their family and they've gone from apple picking to, you know, the roller skating rink to the ice cream shop, to the soccer game, to the, you know, and, and I'm sitting home and I'm like, oh shit, like I haven't done any of that today. <laughs> you know, that there's this sort of, uh, there's this idea of, like you said, it's kind of unattainable attainable and in some sense we're forgetting just that it do, we don't have to be trying to prove something all the time like sometimes it's okay to just be home and be with your family and and like you said if you try too hard 
now you're the helicopter mom. Right. So you're not getting the recognition. Exactly. Now no, you're look, you can't win. And now you look down on kind of like, like calm down, like right. stop, take it easy. Right. That's and then it, true too. Yeah. So it's either too little or too much. Right. But it's funny because when you, when you said that before about, uh, about, you know, with the girl's hair leaving the house and that, you know, we, we shouldn't, we shouldn't get upset as moms or whatever. And that's interesting that you made me think of that, that I do that, that sometimes like if I go away for the weekend or something and Adam will take care of the kids, I oftentimes will like let people know that Adam is home with the kids in case there's a birthday party and they come, they show up looking like <laughs> all crazy and stuff. I'm sort of like, just so you know, I'm away this weekend, but you're right. I should instead just be like, oh my God, how freaking awesome is it that he, you know, that I can go away for the weekend and that he just does it. Yeah. Right. No, you're right. Yeah, I, right I, I and I, I think that's an important thing to that never really clicked for me until right now. But it, you're you're right. It, it that is. And, and that that does definitely probably uh, have an, an adverse effect on whether or not he's going to want to do it the next time. It's it's so true. And I I have a story that's going to a very quick story that's going to enrage your listeners. This happened many years ago, but I included it in my very first book, basically. There was this mom who just had a baby, and she was she was um, not married to the guy, but she lived with like a boyfriend, and they had a baby together. The boyfriend was like, um, "Listen, I I just don't change diapers. It's like it's just something I just don't do. I just I won't do it." And like, so she would do all the diaper changes. So six months go by. This baby's six months old. She has not had a girl's day to herself a day to herself at all. So she goes to Palm Springs. This woman lives in Los Angeles. Palm Springs is about like a three and a half hour drive. She goes to Palm Springs with her girlfriend to do many petties, all that stuff, right? She gets there and and like the husband, the boyfriend's like, you know, I'm going to, I'll handle the diapers. I'll handle the diapers, whatever. Okay. So she's doing her thing. She's at the main petty thing, the salon with her girlfriend, her sister, and like her four best girlfriends. Her phone's blowing up, blowing up. I'm like, yeah, it's the boyfriend. What's going on here? So she answered the phone. It's like, hey, um, he, the boyfriend's like, hey, um, our son, he, he pooped. It was a really bad poop. <laughs> <laughs> and then she's like. A really bad one. It's always like, the worst when, they, when, the, yeah, when the dads then, change it. Yeah. But <laughs> and then this is where it gets worse. Like, and she's like, oh, okay. He's like, I need you to come home to change it. Uh, and she's like, I'm four hours away in Palm Springs. Like, I'm not, I can't, like, listen, I need you to come home. I am not changing him. He is, he, he need to come home. Oh my now. gosh. And she left the chair. She was in the middle of getting her nails done. Sister and girlfriends were fuming. And, but, to the point where the sister didn't even talk to this girl, this woman, for like another like three months because she was so heated at. And she went home, and guess what? That the baby was still sitting in a pile of shit. Wow. Oh, yeah. Five hours later, and like, and then he shamed her. Like, look, I told you, I don't do this stuff. I don't do this stuff. It's your fault. You shouldn't have left. Mm. So I wonder if they're I still think, married. Well, they, oh, they married. weren't married. They're, oh, they, oh, they, I wonder like, if they're still together. Yeah. No, they they broke up. Obviously, but but the reason why I bring the story up is that when there's moms out there who 
are with men who get it and are, or are intrinsically motivated to be the best dads they could be, think about that story. Think about there's some shitty dudes out there. Really, I mean, there's some shitty women out there too. I get it. But there's some shitty dudes out there. So if you have a guy who's doing really good things for your kids and your family, cut him some slack. Let, I mean, if he's not the best hairstylist in the world or whatever, cut him some slack and at least his heart's in the right place. You always want to have him be motivated to be the best man that he can be for his kids. Right. Yeah, I, I think that's a really good good mm-hmm. advice. Yeah. I love <laughs> it. Keep going, man. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> no, I think that's an important thing to remember. Um, you also talk about one thing that I we also suffered. I know you said your your wife suffered. You, you both suffered a miscarriage. Your wife suffered a miscarriage, um, and we did also in between um, our two. And I do think it it definitely shook me more than it shook Adam, but I realize it, it affects everybody differently. And you, you say that, um, that your view of fatherhood after your wife had her miscarriage completely changed. And I, I think sometimes as women and, um, because it is happening to us physically and everything, sometimes we forget that the guy is crushed and devastated by a miscarriage as well. Um, mm-hmm. so if you want to talk about Yeah, that. yeah, for sure. So the story was is that my wife was pregnant with our first baby and I I, I mean I was like a, I look back on this and I was, I, I was a complete douche complete douche I was sitting here like oh I just hope it's a boy I just hope it's a boy whatever I just hope it's a boy I kept saying to myself and like and 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 then of course the miscarriage happened and then I was like, holy shit, man, do I really just want to have a boy or do I want to raise any child? And then we kept trying and we had issues. And I'm like, holy shit, I may not be a dad at all. And and I just realized, like, I just was like, I'm not the most religious dude in the world, but I found myself praying and being like, please, God, let me have one. Let me have a chance. Let me have a chance of redemption. And then when we were pregnant, when we finally got pregnant and we had my daughter, I was like, I promise to be the best dad for this kid, like in the world. Like I just, and because I loved fatherhood so much, then I started blogging and I started creating my content on like what it means to be a dad. And I became popular. And then it's like, and then my mission at that time was like, I just want to inspire other men to feel the same love of, raising children that I have. And the universe has a strange way of sending you messages, but they always send you the, it always sends you the right message because if let's say I, the, the miscarriage didn't happen and we had a boy or at that point had a girl and I'm like, Oh God, we had a daughter. Like I could have been a complete douchebag. I, w- I wouldn't even be the guy that I am now. But now I look back on it and I'm like one of like the proudest feminists you'll ever see in the world. And it's not that just because I look back on it and I'm like, man, I don't know if I would would have been the kind of guy I am now if I didn't go through what I went through. So the miscarriage was a blessing in a lot of ways, allowed me to grow up and to become a better man for better lack of better terms. But yeah, I, I, I'm so glad. Um, that it happened. And I know it's not weird. I'm proud, glad that miscarriage happened. But as far as like dads who who get upset by this, like it's hard. It's really hard for us too because 
the, the woman is the one going through a lot physically and emotionally. Um, we're, it's outside of us, but we have to put her first always, but there's times when we suffer and we, and I wondered like, is it okay to grieve? Like I didn't know if it was okay to grieve, but I tell dads it's absolutely okay to grieve during miscarriages and, and it's okay to feel sad. Um, cause it's a loss to death. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's real. And it's, um, it's very real just because you're not able to hold that child doesn't make it any less real than if you were holding that child. Yeah. And I think we forget that because, um, you know, as, as women for us, a miscarriage is also, it's devastating. So sometimes I think maybe, you know, or maybe the man feels he has to be strong or, but it's nice also to see that someone, you know, that he has the same kind of feelings that you do. So I think, yeah. I think it's a, a good thing to show. Uh, um, yeah. A couple of times already you've referred to yourself as a feminist. We hear, we hear that more and more being thrown around all the time, everywhere, people shouting that they're feminist. And well, I, I'm curious just for you, what does that mean to you to be a feminist? Just, I want to make sure that it's out there that people understand specifically what that means, not just the word feminist. Yeah. It, 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 to, to me, a feminist is someone who believes that women and girls should have the same rights and the same opportunities to do things that men and boys do. And without, without any type of qualification, um, it's similar to what I deal with as a black man. Like I, I want mm-hmm. people of color to have the same opportunities for to live their life as they please, as we please, as white folks, and not to bring race in this, but I, I, it is tangential to what you're saying about feminism. Is that sometimes I tell my white friends, like when I was going like shopping for a house, I was like, "Hey, I got to put on slacks and a collared shirt, like, and you can just walk out a t-shirt and jeans." Like, why? Because like as a black man, like I can't go out to a house in jeans and t-shirts, they're either going to think I'm going to rob the place or they're <laughs> right. going to think I'm totally unqualified. Right. Like, and it's the same thing. It's like with women, there's things that right now it's like, oh, you want to be, you want to work in sports? Oh, okay, sweetheart. Like, sure, sure you can. Why don't you just sit on the sideline and look pretty and be like a, you know, we'll feed you lines to say. And that's not okay. Why can't women be in like be anchors like Doris Burke who people may not know but Doris Burke is a basketball commentator for ESPN she is arguably the most knowledgeable human being when it comes to basketball male or female that I've ever come across I'm a a basketball junkie and nut and I love her and I think how many other Doris Burks are there that aren't getting the opportunity to do what it is that she's doing so my role as a feminist is to make sure that women have a seat at the table when it comes to things that affect them and be able to live a life that they want to lead without men getting in the way of all, all their petty bullshit. It's, it's just raising daughters have opened my eyes to that, but you know, just caring about women in general just shows me that. And I want to see, I really want women to have a seat at the table when it comes to anything that we're interested in. That's really my role in this is to help out. Okay, well, you've definitely thought thought it through. <laughs> Great answer. <laughs> mm-hmm. And also about, I wanted to talk a little bit about that you say when you're ta- when you bring up race, um, that 
when it comes to teaching our kids about race, like some people think that ignoring the differences is the way to go, that you want to teach your kids to be quote unquote colorblind. And, um, and you say, no, that that's, that's not the direction to go. And maybe that you should be talking more about the similarities rather than the differences. And so I think for all of us, we, listen, we all want to raise, um, you know, accepting, tolerant, um, like equal opportunity kids. And so any advice you have for that? Yeah, for sure. So when you, whenever I, I'm, I kind of stay away from words like never and always absolutes are kind of tricky words, but I'll do it. I'll use it in this case. You will never hear a person say, Oh, I want to live in a colorblind world. Who isn't white? White folks say that. And it's not a thing because people of color understand like we don't have the luxury of living in a colorblind world because whether people like it or not, they view, I mean, everyone has their unconscious biases. They're going to see me on the street. I'm a 6'2", 215 pound black man. I'm a pretty muscular dude. I, I could be intimidating for someone who hasn't seen me before or I'm walking through their neighborhood. So my thing is like, you have to see color. You absolutely have to see it. And it's okay to see color. The thing is, is that what I try to teach people is not to be colorblind, is to see the differences, embrace those differences, and do not treat people differently because of those differences. Um, And that's the thing. Like, you can't can't ignore it. It's kind of, I think it was Trevor Noah who said, like, if you're colorblind, then what do you do at a stoplight? Right. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Can't, and also, I, I mean, if you're colorblind, <laughs> one of my mentors said, "Is like, God, if you're colorblind, the one thing, like, first thing I think of is like, man, you must really suck at checkers." And that's probably true, but it's also <laughs> you also are not leading the best. You're not treating, teaching your kids the best messages. Seeing color in people is being like, "Wow, you're different." Then you learn about their it's their their lives. Like, oh, why? As a black man. I've had a different upbringing than Adam has as a white man. And there's things that, you know, he's went through that I haven't gone through. There's things that I've gone through that he hasn't gone through. But to ignore it is to pretend that it doesn't exist. And to pretend it doesn't exist is to ignore problems and issues that black men and people of color have to deal with. And that's not fair. If you want to truly make the world a better place, you got to talk about these things, have open the dialogue about it and realize that talking about race is not, I love it when white people say like, oh gosh, we're talking about race again. Why does it all have to be about race? Why are you pulling out the race card again? It's like, dog, you have no idea how, if it's exhausting for you, imagine how exhausting it is for us. Like it is a hundred times more exhausting for us than it is for you. So quit whining. Why don't you pull up your bootstraps and hang out with us for a little bit and see what it's like and see how you can help instead of bitch and moan about how tough it is to be a white person in America. Because it ain't tough. So you just have to figure, that's just my take. You just got to step up and stop complaining. I'm talking about white people. Mm-hmm. And listen to us. Instead of doing like, yeah, but, yeah, well, I know, but shut up. And listen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. 
This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com All right, so what, what should we be saying to our kids? What, what should we be telling them about um, differences and embracing uh, you know, different races and different cultures and everything, in your opinion? Yeah, for sure. I think a lot of times um, I had a white friend, a white mom, who was like mortified that she, her son, her like five-year-old kindergarten son would say like, my black friend Marcus, or I played with my black friend Marcus today. Oh my gosh, it's so mortifying. I'm you, that's, a, that's good. Like he understands differences. Like he's a five-year-old child. He, he's, he's not gonna know the nuances of race that some grown-ass men and women right now don't understand. Like he's, he's using what tools he has in his toolbox to identify differences. And by doing so, he's saying like, hey, this child, Marcus, is different than me. And that's okay. That's like, that's good. And my thing is like, to teach our kids, it's all right to call out differences. It's okay. But to also realize that in those differences, there may be differences in upbringing, there may be differences in religion, there might be differences in what have you. But to document those, learn from them, and not to, tr not to treat them like it's anything bad. Because what happens is if we don't do that, then diversity becomes mocked and it becomes feared. And in some pockets of our country, that's what it is. Diversity gets mocked and feared because these lessons were not taught at a young age. So as Frederick Douglass said, it's easier to raise good children than to fix broken men. I totally botched his quote, but that's pretty much the gist of it. And you want to raise good kids and raising kids is to show them that differences are great and it's nothing to be afraid of. It's just you want to learn about those differences and how they may impact the person who who are who is different and see how you as a person of color or not a person of color can help make that person's life easier just by getting to know them so all comes down to judging someone by the content of their character not by the color of their skin but to honestly look at their color of the skin and know that hey they are different and it's okay that they're different so not not to be afraid of it yeah, and to yeah. keep the conversation open and talk about it. And not, but not only is it okay, I think it's I think it's awesome because that usually means you're you're experiencing a different or new culture. So you're it's not just about if they're a different color or they're they come from probably possibly a different country, and you're getting to now experience that the different foods, the, the other things they do as a family. So you're you're getting more involved in their cultures. So I, I think it's I think it's awesome, and they should be experiencing people from other countries or other cultures within your own area. Yeah. And the thing is, if you live in a rural area where there's not too many, where there was just like a bunch of chocolate chips is what I call them, like in a vanilla ice cream, like, like one black person here. Right. <laughs> like being a chocolate chip. It's like, if you go to a big city, like just drive, if you have to get in the car, drive, make a weekend trip, drive to your nearest city and hang out and mm -hmm. eat some ethnic food or go and hang out at a cultural event or go to a playground and play with some kids who look different, have the kids play with some kids who look different than them. 
just so they understand that diversity is okay. It's, right. it's not only okay, it's amazing. Right. And gosh, imagine how boring life would be if everyone looked like you and acted like you and believed in the stuff that you believe in. Like, you can't grow as a human being that way. Like, I truly believe that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's what makes this country so great for the most part. <laughs> what? Uh, for the most part, I'm yeah. saying for the most part of how great this country is. Yeah. No, uh, I, I think that's. I think that's like making America great again. Is exactly. I was, I was trying to steer away from that. Uh, I, I was about to be like, oh, I gotta go look at the time. Yeah. <laughs> right. I do. I do think that that is part of it. That if we listen, we live in the suburbs, and my kids, for the most part, are going to meet the same kind of person, and. If you go to, when you go to school in a certain area, that's going to be mostly what you're exposed to. So it is our responsibility to immerse them in different environments and take them different places. And we say now, we, we spent the last, you know, 10 years of our lives taking our kids on one Disney trip after the next. Well, it got to a point where we're like, wait a minute. They've literally not seen, they've seen more characters than they have, you know, different cultures and that it got to a point where finally last summer we were like, we're not doing that anymore. Where the next thing is we need to go somewhere where they meet different people. But I mean, not to, you know, plug Disney or anything, but at least with Disneyland, Disneyland's a pretty diverse, I mean, well, Disney World, I'm assuming you're talking about Disney World. Yeah. I mean, either one. You're going to see people from all over the world. Right. But everyone's there having the same experience. You're not immersed in any different, I mean, not even in Epcot. Well, Epcot, (laughs) I was just going to say, you got 10 countries in Epcot to go to. I'm interested when we talk about like uh, dads and everything, and you said your brother does a lot with the workplace environment and everything. One of my biggest questions also is about the fact that there's this split, the 65-35 split in the home and everything. Shouldn't it also, in some sense, be up to the CEOs out there, the business owners out there that what, you know, this maybe is more of a question for your brother, but what, what, what can they be doing to to the bosses out there who are listening or who, what, what can they do? Oh, no, that's a question for me too, because I actually, I go and I speak to these corporations about work-life balance and getting so getting men more involved um, at home so women can be more involved at work. And quite frankly, there are some women who just the thought of being a stay-at-home mom is just like, oh, hell no. No, no, no. I need to work. I like to be in corporate America. I like to do my thing. And that's great. Um, I think a lot of the more progressive companies, like the newer companies, like the old school companies, they're kind of like, they're hard to crack because there's lots of silver hairs in there. Uh, they're like, this is just the way it's been and we're not gonna change. But like the newer companies that are coming up, because a lot of the startups are like, oh uh, yeah, man, like you can work from home. And I think a lot of that too comes down to, you know, how the corporate structure is. I think every, we have the technology now to be able to work from home. Like pretty much, I don't, I don't, most companies should be able to have a work from home feature. So in the sense that, hey, the kids are home from break or the boys are sick or whatever the case may be for, for you guys, like to be able to have the, the ability to be like, hey, I'm working from home today. Um, 
I, I never understood the whole mentality of like the asses in the seats. Like you gotta be here from eight to five. And if you're not here from eight to five, then you're not working. Like that's so archaic. And I think a lot of companies are coming around in that regard, it, which is great because the most talented Gen Zs and millennials are not going to be working for these old school companies that don't value them and view them holistically. So um, I, to your point, Danielle, I think a lot of companies are looking now to be like, how can we make it make work safer for our employees? Make it more like because a lot of these people want to have kids. They want to have kids if they don't already have kids. So if you view them holistically as moms and as dads and having more parental leave instead of maternal maternity leave, these these employees are going to stay. They're going to stay with you forever and they're going to work their asses off for you because they know that there's a few companies out there that get it. So if you, if I were to start a company, I would have like a ton of parental leave. Um, and it's a shame. Like if you look at America, like we're so behind in that regard. <laughs> if you look at Europe, it's like, it's crazy to not leave their dad. So we just have to be better. Yeah. Well, so tell everybody where they can find you and, um, and you know, how to get in touch with you. Okay. So my address is, yeah. um, <laughs> so listen, yeah, I'm know, up for a trip to LA. Yeah, no problem. I'm in LA. Um, I don't drink anymore, but I, I love cookies. So <laughs> okay. I mean, not cookies, my thing, but you guys can find every, so my whole, my, um, Tag, oh my gosh, what is my thing? Not tag, my um, what's the Instagram, your handle? <laughs> the handle, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I was like, what's that word? <laughs> All right, my, my handle is daddy doing work. So not doing work, it's doing work, which sounds like my name. Right. <laughs> yeah. It has nothing to do with my, that has nothing to do with my name. It's just not, people are like, oh, is that like a play on your name? Like, no, it's daddy doing work. <laughs> it goes off the tongue. So no G on doing, daddy doing work. And, and also for the listeners out there, I do all types of corporate speaking for, if you find that your organization or conference or group struggles with toxic masculinity, not embracing feminism, race relations, parenting issues, what have you, hit me up. I'll come down there and I will hit them over the head with some real talk. That's awesome. Cool. Yeah, this was fun. Yeah, this was great. Thank you so much yeah. for talking to us. Oh, you're welcome. And happy Father's Day. Yeah, to I was all just going to say. Yeah, and happy Father's yeah, Day to happy you. Happy Father's Day to you. And um, this was great. And we, you know, we'll, we'll definitely we'll put your links and everything all over so everybody can get in touch with you. Sounds good, guys. All Take right. Care. Okay, all right. you too. Have a good night. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.